thousand feet up, breaking all the lights on the doors. And I ain't seen no ceilings. We came in through the top floor. Three oars rip right round your jugular. Three oars rip right round your jugular. Three oars rip right round your jugular. You're listening to Feminist Killjoys, Ph.D., an hour of feminism, pop culture, and politics as discussed by two professional Killjoys. I'm Rachel. And I'm Melody. And today we'll be talking about Drake. Drake, Drake, Drake. Drake, 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 Drake. <laughs> Welcome. I'm so excited about this episode. Oh. I know. This is Melody's, like, this is her baby episode this is this is it's gonna be a good one done research i've curated i've listened to drake primarily (laughs) only the last two days i've had drake dance parties i've (laughs) analyzed videos i will keep it to an hour but um yeah i'll definitely lead this one and rachel is always smart and has things to add to my critiques um and don't be soft on me rachel if you feel like drake is problematic please speak up no, I won't. I, w- I mean, and I will. Um, okay. Yeah, no, we're both fans, but Mel's a super fan. And so, yeah, perhaps I'll have a little less um, Google eyes about it. Although I do have a Drake <laughs> poster on my bathroom door, like a full size giant Drake poster of him on stage, like on my bathroom door. So. I'm sorry, where did you get that poster? Um, not you, my friend Mark. Did you, did, did you think that you got it for me? No, oh, no, no. I meant like... Here. Yeah, I thought you were like, I thought you were like, give me credit. No, (laughs) no, I'm like incredulous (laughs) that it exists. And I would like to know where I could purchase one. I'll have to ask. I'll ask. um, uh, Mark is a listener and a um, donator to the podcast, which I'm going to talk about in a second. Um, But I'll ask him and I'll report back. We'll put a link where you can create posters. It's a really good picture. Yes, Mark, please Um, direct email us at link to purchase able URLs for Drake posters. Okay. Well, good. Why don't you tell us, Melody, where everybody can find us on social media? Yes, yeah, if you would like to um, tweet us uh, other Drake paraphernalia that I may purchase, uh, you can do that at uh, Twitter, FKJ underscore PhD. You can like us on Facebook. Just search for Feminist Killjoys PhD and like us there. If you have any comments about the show, you can obviously leave them on Facebook or you could send us an uh, email at FKJ dot phd at gmail did i say fkg before i hope i didn't i'm I so i'm so bad with our own acronym <laughs> always <laughs> second guessing myself melody uh, originally made our twitter oh. f like lk yeah just way <laughs> off <laughs> like not remotely the initials <laughs> i was and trying I was like, mel i can't find our twitter <laughs> and then and then I was like, oh, that's because it's the wrong acronym. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. no, PhDs, okay. you know. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> you know, like, do you ever uh, do the thing when you're writing on the whiteboard at school or chalkboard? I do this. Oh. I can't spell a word. And I'm like, PhD. Like, I make fun of myself oh, for having a doctorate and, like, unable to spell traveling or something. It's <laughs> totally, totally. I just did that with the word commitment this past oh. week because we were talking about um, – <laughs> polyamory and I was writing the word commitment on the board and I was I don't have this word I don't know how many m's or t's there are but I need the I and I always talk about how I need the red script like squiggly line that word documents give me yes I Um, make the same joke yeah yeah (laughs) but then teacher humor I know but I think students they think it's so easy but then if I ever have them come up and write stuff on the board it's like a different way of writing where you spelling is your brain is not computing spelling in the same way it's really interesting and once i get them to write stuff on the board they get it but um it's a it's a source of humor for us even at eight in the morning so yes yes indeed um yeah so that's where you can find us do you want to give a shout out to your friend who's helping uh oh yeah hi spencer he reached out he's another podcast guy he does a um he has a podcast network and he also does a total bike nerd uh podcast called the slow ride it's like super inside baseball so i Mm-hmm. This is not like a general pitch for all people, um, unless you're really into biking stuff. But he's been 
kind and generous with his support and advice if needed. And he also did not mansplain any of the advice, which obviously he wouldn't, but yeah, that's great. He's a great guy. And, you know, he was a Rachel inside comment to you, I guess in my research, you know, on the, the greenway, the, what the greenway used to be, this bike trail in Mm -hmm. Minneapolis used to be like all that graffiti and stuff. Yeah. Do you remember that? He, he was the one that got me that info and talked to me about it oh, originally. Cool. Yeah. So he's been cool. okay. he's yeah. been a supporter of my work for a long time, so I appreciate him. Cool. Awesome. Thanks, Spencer. Um, in addition to finding us on social media, um, you can also donate to your lovely favorite podcast. Um, we have this cute little melody magically got us a cute little graphic that when you press this little birdie on our main page, it takes you to um, a PayPal page. Um, And yeah, we would, uh, you know, no pressure, but if you have a few extra dollars to spare, um, it's really helpful in supporting the startup costs of the podcast, which were um, more expensive than I think either of us uh, thought. And also we'd love to just keep this, um, we'd love to keep this content content coming to you weekly and it's a lot easier to do that if we're getting even a tiny bit of income because um uh it means that uh we don't have to work as many other jobs um because we're not getting paid over the summer and things like that so anyway it's it's helpful um you know and and from people who think about media and labor um you know we're producing content and it's I like to support people who produce content that I like. And so maybe you would like to also support uh, people who produce content that you like. So we know that everybody doesn't have, not everybody has money to do that with. So no problem. But um, if you do, we'd be so, so touched. So that's it. Put your money where your mouth is. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. I've been listening to too much of um, Drake's like rap. So he's, he's very tough recently so yeah. just yeah. sorry <laughs> that was amazing Rachel's yeah. never been so silent after I've said something <laughs> uh-huh. okay uh, that didn't go over too well with her okay moving on uh, sure. um, here yeah we're gonna move on I'm excited to hear about your check-in Mel Mel wrote down for again, I told you. I think I said last episode that we have these little notes before the show. And um, Mel wrote henna. Do you have henna? I have henna. Um, so, uh, obvi- well, I don't have to say much to Rachel about why henna would be problematic. But for those of you who um, don't get it right away, why a white girl, woman, girl, having henna would be questionable or worth talking about is because there's this term called cultural appropriation. Um, I should totally do an episode on that. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, so like, uh, an exa- uh, an example, I guess a recent example is Beyonce actually was in a Coldplay video and, uh, she was wearing a lot of henna and Indian, uh, traditional dress. Um, and that's not her culture. And so the idea is that she's appropriating culture, but more problematically is when white people do it. So let me just get back to white people. Um, so, for example, Gwen Stefani, like wearing a bindi on her head in the 90s, um, that was appropriate in another culture. And oftentimes we appropriate like religious symbols. Um, it's like it's just because our white culture is very boring, to be frank. And so we want to spice our culture up. And so we borrow from other cultures that we have also oppressed throughout the centuries and kind of take on some of their culture for our own uh you know, cultural capital and, but then also like have no regard for their actual culture and like do not support them in any other way besides stealing their crap to make us look cool. Anyway, so henna is one of those things where white girls love to get henna done. Um, And so I have some henna done. I would never do this, but the reason why I did is because the Muslim Student Association at my school had Islam Awareness Week. It's my favorite week on campus. And um, they do a hijab day where they have people wear hijabs. And then, yeah. And this year they also offered henna. And so I, hmm. it was, and you paid for it. So I did it as mm-hmm. like a donation thing. And then right. I sat down and I was, and I said, I'm sorry, I'm culturally appropriating. I think I'm just trying to support. And I was like getting out all my guilt about it. And what's interesting yeah. is that they hadn't even thought about that. 
the right the Muslim woman running this stuff, you know? And so right. it's my own crap, but uh it looks cool. Yeah. It makes me want to get a hand tattoo. But, yeah, yeah. Um yeah, that's interesting. I won't I won't respond much about like your sort of white guilt feelings other than to say that I have done similar things, particularly when like one I have some friends from India that um teach at the studio and their mom who still lives in India came and I was just like I'm sorry that this is probably not like just spouting mm. like fucking white guilt stuff about being a white lady teaching yoga. Mm-hmm. And um, she was like, no, I really like core power. Core power is where I work. I think it's okay to say that. Um, but uh, yeah, anyway, we can, we can have a whole episode on that, but yeah, so that's, well, that's cool. You made a donation and have some pretty art and that um, the folks that did it for you um, consented to it and in fact invited it. So, yeah. And I think at our school, you know, cultural appropriation is the last thing they're worried about. The first thing they're worried about yeah. is the harassment on campus and right. and by opening up their culture and having the white students come in and experience it um, is their main goal right now. So, yeah, you know, and yeah. then, you know, it's kind of some of the stuff we talk about. It's like, all right, well, that's five levels up to the current issue. Right. So, um, and then my sad check-in is the uh, decision about Jamar Clark, who um, he's a young African man who was shot by police in Minneapolis this winter. The attorney, I had talked earlier in another episode about how they're not doing grand juries anymore for police shootings. Um, and Mike mm-hmm. Freeman was the attorney who made the final decision, and he decided not to press charges against the police. And, um, I mean, I could go on about this, but the only thing I'll say is... It is significant that the only sources used to um, justify not pressing charges against these police officers were police accounts of what happened. Yeah. That witness accounts were put in the quote footnotes and that we could look at them at our leisure. Um, And that the fact that at this press conference, they were going to reveal all this video that would pretty much support their claims the police claims and the video showed nothing like the videos actually showed a totally different narrative um, than what Mike Freeman was saying. And I don't, I am not feeling nauseous anymore about it, which is good. I think I had a good meditation on this earlier Mm -hmm. today, but like it, it was, it's been making me feel really sick because of the, um, yeah, I'm actually, actually I'll say, I'm not sure why it's making me feel so sick, but it's, it's not good. You know, you got to trust your gut feeling on these things and it's, um, It's far from over. It's very messy. And basically the black people's who were the black people who were witnesses, you know, their accounts were, you know, denied, uh, put in footnotes. Yeah. yeah dismiss is the yeah. best word. And the police who's all of the what the police said, no witness actually can cooperate with what they said. You know, the, yeah. the stories are different, yep. but yet yep. they go with the police. Um, and right. it's just right. it's just really sad. So fuck the police and there was one protest and we have a really really strong NAACP here and so I'm sure there's going to be lots more work done um but uh yeah very sad week in Minneapolis yeah absolutely yeah I had the there was like the live tape of like filming his family's reaction when they found out and it was just like like I can't it was yeah it's uh it's rough. Um, I guess uh, my check-in, I also have kind of a sad check-in. It's not mm-hmm. quite as heavy, um, I suppose, but it's heavy um, and angers me. But there was kind of a lovely moment that happened after it. Um, so the GSA, the Gay Straight Alliance at my school, um, it's they're sort of prepping for Day of Silence coming up next Friday um, and, uh, you know, doing lots of sort of LGBT awareness kind of stuff. And so they had this rain. They basically, it's like little construction pieces of paper, um, all different colors that they sort of create a rainbow with. And then people like write messages on the, these like little pieces of paper and they call it flags of love. And they create a rainbow out of these like little flag, you know, hand, handmade little flag things. And um, there's like a, you know, a big demonstration of it in the library. Well, in the middle of the night, um, there was a student who went into the library and on, took three different trips to tear down the flags, hide them under a sweatshirt, walk out of the library, come back, take the rest of the, you know, take more flags, walk out of the library to the point that the flags were all gone. And um, so 
you know, obviously people, people were upset. Um, and the president of GSA is in my class and she asks if we could, um, there was, you know, GSA decided like, okay, how are we going to respond? We're going to respond by trying to like double the amount of flags we had before. So Mm. we took class time to listen to, or I'm sorry, to make, to make flags, um, in my class. And it was like a really felt like a very good use of class time. We had a good talk about it with my students. Um, and I was like, okay, well, well, we're like making crafts and like talking, um, let's put on some every, you know, what are some of the people's favorite LGBT musicians? And one of my students and I, and I, and it was also trans day of visibility that day. Mm. And so I was like, you know, extra points if they're trans or gender nonconforming. And I was thinking of two of my favorite gender nonconforming musicians, Mickey Blanco and Shamir. Mickey Blanco is really explicit and not super safe for work. Um, so I was like, uh, and and my I had the student raise her hand and she's like, I know a good one, Shamir. And at my school, for people to know Ms. Shamir, wow. I was like jaw dropped. And apparently like her friends know him like in real life. And like one of her friends is like in one of his videos. And I was like, OMG or them, I'm sorry, them. And um, so I was like, I love Shamir. We're totally going to listen to Shamir. So we listened to Shamir all day and made flags. And um, so, yeah, it was a bummer uh, that that happened. Um, uh, and just like gross. And I'm glad that GSA is responding by, you know, creating more flags. But it's just so interesting because other schools I've been at, um, there would have been like massive protests. There would have been, you know, mm-hmm trying to hold people accountable and Merrimack sent an email out encouraging people to make flags but didn't talk about like uh, you know what people are some people are referring to as a hate crime um itself they like didn't mention that a flag was destroyed they just said GSA would like us all to like make <sighs> flags to like show and it was like you can talk about how one of the students in the community did something really fucked up like you're allowed to say that like you don't it's just so that really frustrated me the way it was handled but um anyway so that was that was that um, I also just wanted to mention that I saw, um, a play called Booty Candy last night and it was incredible. Uh, it's a play, um, told in like a very sort of avant-garde, um, way about a gay black man and you see sort of like different vignettes from his life, um, told in like sort of pieces parts and it's just very explicit about race and sexuality, um, and was really powerful and incredible. So um, it, I was glad to, uh, it was a birthday present for my friend at work, my friend Katie. Hi, Katie, if you're listening. Um, so a, a long, you know, a belated sort of birthday present, but um, I, I felt really lucky to have the opportunity to see it. So that is, um, I'll be excited to link to it so people can read about it. Um, so that's that, those are my check-ins. Great, great. So now we can talk about Drake. Okay, I won't. Yeah. <laughs> you are just going to try to like wrap this whole episode and it's going to be hilarious. Enemies, um, got a lot of enemies, got a lot of people trying to drain <laughs> me of this energy, trying to take away from a white girl. Okay, I'm done. Nice. I was practicing that. On that my was bike. good. No, that was like, that was really good. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Did you see the latest white girl rapping along to Drake? Did you see that Taylor Swift commercial? Oh, the jump man where she falls off the treadmill? Yeah. Yeah. How did she do that? Uh, That's like clearly like CGI stuff. Are you serious? Oh, I'm sure. She did not like fall off a treadmill. No. No. I had better. I had a better theory. Like maybe that wasn't going to be the commercial, but then she actually did fall. No way. No, I'm sure it was planned and CGI. Oh, I'm sure. I'm almost positive. I think she, I think she's talented enough to. I think they taught her how to do it because she's got a good slap down on the. <sighs> Maybe let's investigate. We'll, we'll report back. Or I would like, listeners. I would like viewer or listener Listen, input, input on whether yeah. you think Taylor Swift did that herself or whether it was CGI. I'd like to give her a little bit more credit, but it is a good, yeah. it is a good commercial for Apple yeah. music. They right. win. <laughs> they got us. Yep. Hmm. Um, yeah. Speaking so of Apple Music, us- Drake is a uh, <laughs> like he's a like a, he's a spokesperson for Apple Music, um, which I don't actually want to talk about, but that's a good transition. Okay, I would like to talk yeah. about Drake. Um, Let's I will tell us about him. Though. Okay, yeah, because 
not a lot of people. I had to actually tell two white women about who Drake was this week. So I'm really? not going to assume. Yeah. What? And I, I, and I created a list of songs for them to listen to. Um, but the ones uh, that are like listener mainstream friendly. Yeah. If you will. Yeah. You got to take them in slow, you know? Yeah. 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 Uh, anyways. So he's just, if you don't know who he is, which I will not judge a mixture. He's interesting cause he's a hip hop artist, but he does like half rap and half R and B, which means sometimes his songs are both, but also he has this interesting trajectory, um, with his albums. So he likes to put out mixtapes that are more hardcore, not hardcore. Take that word out. Just like a rap album. Um, so if the, if you're reading this, it's too late thing that he put out recently. That's just a mixtape mm-hmm. and you can actually buy it on a CD now, which I find interesting, hmm. but those are just his, that's like one genre that he does, but then he also puts out mainstream albums so nothing was the same was the last one and that's where like started from the bottom what that's a song that was on that mm-hmm. album and and so he hasn't put out like an actual real traditional album since 2013 and mm-hmm. he's tr- he's putting another mainstream one out sometime in april so that's exciting um but there's yes. no release date because now in the music industry i guess you have to do gimmicks like that to get people to buy your music right so right um but yeah, and then he also tends to like rap on a sort assortment of different artists' songs. So like Rihanna's latest song, he well, that's more like singing. He likes to do the sing songy rap thing, which I love. Yeah. Um, so that's he's got such. Like, I know it's he has such a pretty singing voice. And I have, uh, I mean, part of my research. Well, actually, I knew about this before, but he actually got a vocal coach to curate hmm. that sound. I'm gonna link it in our blog, but. Probably one of the best interviews I've read was on Jezebel, and they interviewed mm-hmm. her, um, his vocal coach, who is an older hmm. woman, and she just cool. talked a lot about, you know, his drive to, like, be the best artist and get his vocals yeah. better, and she goes into a lot of details, but then she also talks about Drake a lot, and she says, like, he is, the, like, you think he's sweet? He's actually really sweet. It's not a performance. Yeah. Like, he is a very Aww. kind person, which, yeah. if I had to make a list, you know, um, is one reason why I adore him. Yeah. Because I think, um, I'll just keep talking and I'll explain why I love Drake, and then, Rachel, you should say why you really like him as well. Um, okay. But I think, you know, I really like hip-hop. I've always loved hip-hop back to the 90s um, when there was a lot of female hip-hop artists. But, you know, in the early 2000s, a different kind of hip hop took over and it was very focused on like money and women and objectifying women. And a lot of times when I turn on like mainstream hip hop, I like don't want to listen to it because it's all about objectifying women or tricking women into being with them or why are you talking to that other guy? You should be talking to me and just yucky stuff. And their videos Mm -hmm. are just boring and unoriginal and more objectification of women. Um but like with Drake, his he makes really good music, but also like the messages are not objectifying towards women. You know, they're often like love songs to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and if he is being kind of a trying to be hardcore, I find it hilarious because of his class background, which we'll talk about. So it's just like mm-hmm. even when he's trying to be like, I've got enemies. It's like, yeah, okay, dude, like <laughs> you created that because you did not. Okay. You don't have enemies like Kendrick Lamar might have enemies or like right, um, right. Tupac had enemies. You know, like, but okay, right. okay, Drake. So right. you know, he's kind of, <laughs> and he's just such a dork and. Uh, but really it was like, he allows me to like love a African-American male hip hop artist that, you know, it's just refreshing because usually yeah. it's just a bunch of crap. The yeah, end. totally. I mean, yeah, I agree with that in terms of, um, when he does talk about women, it's usually, I'm like, like aggressively nodding, like, yeah, like mm-hmm. as opposed to like cringing, um, and that's that is that's super cool. He still talks about like money in ways that feels very like emblematic of the the style you're describing of just like yes. celebrating like excessive wealth in ways that feels kind of gross. But um that is very true. Also, I think he's incredibly handsome. I yes. think he's like very very handsome. So I like him because of that. <laughs> um I would also say he was like He's kind of like a gate, like he's like kind of like a gateway into hip hop, like we were talking about with you introducing 
like certain songs to, to these, to these women that you met. Um, hold on. We're going, we're going home, right? Hold on. I'm, we're going home. Yeah. Um, Just hold that on. Song, we're going home. Going home. That song is like, so, <laughs> so accessible. It's yes. like, it's like a, basically a pop song. Yes. And, um, that was, not the first Drake song I heard. That's actually not true. But it got me to like sit down and listen to a full album, like start to finish. Same. And it was right around, what's that? Same with me. I have the same story. Yeah. Similar Drake story. Oh, yeah. So um, so that was, I, it feels like he feels very special to me because that was like all the time that I actually started getting into hip hop. Like, um, and and going beyond, you know, it was like, oh, so so now I can like, not only can I like, quote unquote handle because you know it just wasn't music that I've said this on the podcast before but like I was always like very interested and invested in hip-hop politically as like something that black people had some at least power over in the world and like thought it was really important but it just like wasn't my like I just didn't like get into it but like when I actually like got pleasure out of listening to this album that felt really cool and then the fact that that led me to like um things that are even less like quote unquote accessible to like mainstream audiences slash maybe certain white people like myself. <laughs> um, so yeah. So I think he, I just have a special place in my heart for him because he, um, yeah, really felt kind of like a gateway to me and was like, you know, one of my first, my first hip hop that I, you know, love that I like actually felt invested in. Um, so yeah, for those reasons. Cool. And I will yeah. say another good Drake song about him loving women is uh, Fancy, which was on an album previous to the one that was your gateway. And it's mm-hmm. all about like about being fancy and being like, oh, you're going to get your nails done and your ha- hair done and you're going to take a while to get ready and I'll just wait here for you because I know you're going to look good when you get out of the bathroom and like mm-hmm. just celebrating like, f- you know, femininity via makeup and hair and nails. and Right. So. Um, I yeah. like that one. And I like yeah. I like the album before the um Just Hold On We're Going Home song came from. Mm-hmm. But my same. my it's previous called. no, but remember my previous boyfriend, he would use the N-word and he yep, says the N-word. And so like I was like, I don't like this. And I mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like this is no, because I don't want to listen to this because then you're just gonna say the N-word all the time and that's like right. problematic. And then also there's this song on the album with Lil Wayne. Mm-hmm. And it's um um hell yeah hell yeah fucking right fucking okay but anyways Drake <laughs> this and this gets into my first point about like Drake's use of language so the thing that mm-hmm. I like about Drake obviously is that um the n word aside because that's a whole I mean they hip hop artists reclaim the n word and that's like all good um but like uh. And he Drake uses the B word, which I've told him he needs to work on that. Um, so that so <laughs> he's complex. He hasn't listened to you. Yeah, yeah. I know. I if somebody <laughs> wants to argue with me about why it's fine for him to say it, that's I'll listen. But um, I don't like that. So I just say if I'm singing yeah. along with him, I just say women, and it sometimes yeah. works. Um, but anyways, what's interesting about him and why I like him is that like even when he's on a on a song with people such as Lil Wayne. Drake still maintains his like respect for women and then Lil Wayne will come on and talk about drugging women which is totally unacceptable and not cool and you shouldn't rap along with that that's it's just disgusting so like I didn't like that song and I was kind of mad at Drake but I'm like oh that's interesting that you're like because I think what he's doing is he's trying to develop street cred in some ways and so what he does is he just has them come on his tracks or vice versa. And he lets yeah. them say all the problematic stuff, but he never buys into it. And he doesn't start, he doesn't ever rap about that stuff. Yeah. And, I mean, but he's still like endorsing it by I know not only being associated with it, but like inviting it into his tracks. Like, why doesn't you're he just being tell so them? Forgiving. I know. Okay. Well, you're forgiving of Bieber sometimes. So, yes, I am. Um, no, I, and, um, I guess I am forgiving. I don't listen to that song. Um, yeah. I... <sighs> yeah, no, I mean, I'm totally forgiving of tons of crap. I mean, I mean, we were just talking about um, the Drunken Love song when Jay-Z raps, like, mm. and, you know, I listen to that song and I listen to a lot of hip hop and that I, you know, do not <laughs> um, 
you know, think sends the best message about women in particular. Um, so yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not judging you, but anyway, well, and I'm that's not... a good point though. I think it's, I think it's a really interesting analysis to notice that he never actually says those words out loud himself. No, he will say the B word, but he won't talk about, he doesn't have the same messages in his, in his lines that the other guys will, you know? Right. And I end up right. now, I end up not listening to those tracks anyways. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm not, I'm not, you can definitely read it as an excuse. I'm just more curious about what the strategy is there, you know, cause everything's calculated, yeah. you know, this whole image is very right. calculated. And so what is the strategy there? Um, why isn't he asking these people to not? use that language i mean oh my god that Nicki minaj remember that um Nicki minaj song with chris brown and yep. lil wayne yep that's a perfect yep. example fuck it chris is. brown um yeah but also like lil wayne i think said some problematic st- i don't know i just remember being like i like drake's part and i don't like anybody else's um right well i like right. Nicki's part yeah. too but like his, I mean, honestly, his part in that song is like something that's been like very widely held up by black women in particular because he says, I like my my girls BBW. Yeah. Um, and which is like just just great. And there's like a lot of really good articles. I mean, and you posted some of these, Mel, to our um, maybe that's a good transition into the next point you wanted to make. Oh, yes. Thank you. Um, my other point about why Drake is so awesome is if you look at his music videos, um, a lot of them actually don't have women in them, which is significant because in the hip hop genre, a lot of times hip hop artists that are male will have women in their videos as eye candy, which I find to be very objectifying. Um, and they're often referred to as video vixens and they're severely underpaid and never given credit. And there's problems with that whole kind of system but in some of his more popular songs it's just him rapping or like him and his buddies hanging out like eating a nice meal they're i mean (laughs) drake is so handsome that he could just stand there and rap and it would be captivating Mm -hmm. (laughs) so or or you mean like maybe dance in a box with a turtleneck on oh yeah but he (laughs) but then in that case that's interesting because when he does have women come in into his videos he you can tell he's just admiring them the whole time mm-hmm. you know and mm-hmm. like he can't really dance he tries mm-hmm. <laughs> but he really lets the woman take the spotlight in a very respectful way like um i'm even thinking with that Nicki minaj song like he looks at her you know and i'm kind of you mm-hmm. know when he like nods at her breasts mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um i might be making an excuse for him now because i think sometimes i would you know, find that to be a little problematic, but like via Drake, like he has so much respect for women. And I just know this from like other venues that I map that onto his behavior and other media texts. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. But like the work video with Rihanna, how do you feel about that? Drake's role? Tell me. Uh, And we're talking about the R rated one, not the PG 13. Right. The R, well, which one do you consider the R-rated one? Oh, there's two. Yeah, I know. I find the one in the um, restaurant to be more... R-rated? R-rated, or NC7. I don't know. The MPA rating system is okay. worthless. But I honestly think that video is less... I mean, I think him sitting on the couch while she's dancing is way... I have more... Pro- I have... I don't think I have any problems with what you're considering the R-rated one. For those of you listening, we're talking I don't about the videos. That's versions. what I'm saying. Yeah, there's nothing. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But the one, the second one where he's just like looking at her, I, you know, I think there's nothing wrong if, you know, Rihanna wants to dance sexy in front of Drake or if we're like in this video, assuming maybe there are a couple or whatever. And like you're having like this like like the male gaze is like, OK, if it's invited sort of deal, that kind of thing. Um, mm. but it's like, uh, like there's a dude sitting on a couch, like looking at a woman scantily clad, like dancing, like yeah. it's not very original. Like it's, it's almost, it's like, it's offensive. Yeah. But it's mostly just boring, you know? But don't you think, um, I totally agree with you. Do you think they were forced to make that video because the other one was too raunchy? I don't know. I should, um, have, I haven't stumbled across any like in insight about that, um, on the internet. Uh, that's a good question. I'm not sure. I don't know. Do you, that's so interesting that you think that it's raunchy. Um, it is, it is like, it's like super sexy dancing, but it's also like, 
it's also like very like here is a slice of a very particular part of black culture that's like very um explicit about it and i'm pretty sure there's no white people in the video um so if we're thinking about you know what people who the you know the the bosses who want to make money off this like is this accessible enough to white people like that could have been a question i don't know if it's about sex as much as it's about race oh i don't find it i mean it reminds me of that uh major laser song from a couple years ago where they i don't think i've ever seen any major laser videos Oh, I wasn't prepared to, to talk about out. this video, but it was another one in which like black culture was hi- like black dance culture was highlighted and it was very mm-hmm. raunchy to like the white suburban eye, you know, like, right. Um, the like all the hip thrusting in the right work video, I think is problematic um, or not, yeah. not problematic. I'm sorry. Um, others would refer to that as such. Um, yeah. So I thought it was like a like a, we can't play this. I mean, MTV doesn't even play videos anymore, but why do they have two versions? But right, yeah, maybe right. because it isn't yeah. accessible to a white audience. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, but you are right. I'm thinking about it more. And like they are, they're just like, they're basically like what the kids in high school, in middle, middle school really used to call like dry humping. And like, yeah. dry, you know, they're like, you know, it's pretty, it's pretty hot and heavy. Yeah. Um, But yeah, so... I just so, yeah, feel like that that's... that second video is so like thrown together that they just had to do it to like please their record label. Yeah, yeah, that could very well be. You know, like that fine if you're gonna pull if you're gonna do this video, then give me a, a cleaner one that I can. Right. I don't know. I just saw yeah. this. Um, I've been getting more skeptical of record labels. I just saw this uh, documentary that my student recommended called Artifact. It's about thirty seconds to Mars. Sorry, I'm going mm-hmm. there. And <laughs> Jared Leto. But they got yeah. totally screwed over by their record label. And um, so it's oh, gotten yeah. me, th- it just got me thinking more about like strategies that record labels um, try out and how they're yeah. always just looking for, it's always about the money. And right. Right. just trying yeah. to, you know, and they'll ask artists to do crazy stuff. So anyways, that's why yeah. my brain went there. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So speaking of... You mentioned that the work video, there's, like, no white people in it. Yeah. God forbid. Um, Another reason why I like Drake so much is his love of black women, which feels very weird because I'm a white person. Um, And so I will take this moment to acknowledge that we are two white people talking about Drake. And now I'm going to talk about his love for black women. Right. Um, But it is so true that, like, he only pretty much has black women in his videos if he has women in them at all. Um, Mm -hmm. And I read this awesome article that I'll link to in the blog called Drake Belongs to Black Women. It was on BuzzFeed um, by Hannah Georges. I hope I didn't mess up her name too bad. Um, But so this is why it's like, here's the so what about um, Drake only loving black women. So she writes, to be a black woman in the entertainment industry is to have to work twice as hard for that recognition. When men like Drake dish it out so generously, so his love for black women, even if it's nauseating, it's noteworthy despite its prickly bits. So meaning that like Mm -hmm. black women have to work really hard to get recognition and Drake is like bringing them in with him and, Mm -hmm. you know, celebrating. Not that they need men to get that work done, but uh, it's a precarious situation. Yeah. And Um, given the power dynamics, it certainly doesn't hurt to have somebody with all that power, like, you know, giving credit. Right. And just loving black women, not objectifying them as video vixens, you know? Right, right. um, And then, (laughs) and so like, uh, Drake isn't very public about his private life, but sometimes people figure out who he's dating. Um, I really hope that he marries Rihanna and they have... A wonderful life together. That's my, uh, since I have sway in that. But he was dating mm-hmm. Serena Williams for a while. And this article, the same BuzzFeed article said he was, um, I love this part. But if there's any woman who has made a proper power bottom out of Drake, it's Serena <laughs> Williams. <laughs> because part of the point is that he just follows women around like he's a puppy right. dog, you know? Right. Totally. And he does. Yeah. Well, and, and that's so, that's so demonstrated in the, um, 
the Anaconda video, which I know we there's been great discussion about the Anaconda vi- Anaconda video, Nicki Minaj's um, song, mm-hmm. and when he's just like getting a lap dance basically and looking like a schoolboy, and then he tries to touch and she slaps his hand away, and yeah. it's just like he knows his place, like he knows his mm-hmm. place, like he tried, and he's like, oh, okay, you're right, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, for sure. Um. Yeah, that's a good article. Um. And yeah, I, I, I agree. I think, and again, as, as a white woman, I know my opinion like doesn't really count for much. Um, but, uh, it is, you know, refreshing to hear that given again, knowing, reading, listening to acknowledging, hearing the voices of black women, um, who, uh, the way that they're left out of or exploited in, um, in this, in hip hop. So, yeah. Yeah. And also there's um, been a long time discussion about how black men go and fall in love with white women and then it leaves Mm -hmm. black women alone. I'm not saying that that's like true or not. I'm just saying it's a discussion point um, Mm -hmm. in the African-American community. And so by him not loving any white women, it just kind of puts that aside and really reaffirms blackness and his love for blackness i think that's very important in this like day and age totally again i'm feeling a little uncomfortable talking about it as a white woman but i did want to acknowledge that that's something that i've read about being an issue and so yeah that's there's also a really yeah there's a good documentary called dark girls it's on netflix um and it's about um it very much centers the voice of black women um talking about first of all colorism um in in the black community in terms of light skinned women getting, you know, having, having a little more privilege. Um, but then there's like very frank discussions about romantic relationships as, as black women. And it's a really good documentary. It was also uncomfortable to teach. And, um, I taught, I, I showed it in a class and uh, yeah, I mean, you know, that's ideally we would eventually we'll start doing interviews with people and bringing guests on, but yeah, it's, there's only so much Mel and I can say as white ladies, but given the amount that of voices that we listen to and try to incorporate, you know, it seems like we're quoting an article of, of a black woman. So that's, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> white guilt. Um, white, hashtag white people talking God. about race. <laughs> anyway. Um, hey, let's talk about class though. Like class Drake's cool. class politics. Do you want to start yes. this one off? Cause I, Rachel is our yeah. class politics expert, so please, Dr. <laughs> yes. Tiffy. Um, well, just that, um, you know, and I'm not, this is not an, my original thought, like the world reacted, many people reacted to this. Um, and it goes back to what you're saying about Drake trying to get like cred and act like he's tougher than he is, but it's particularly that he has a song that literally is called Started From The Bottom, and he's suggesting that he started from the bottom when in some cases like maybe he could even he you know so he he grew up relatively affluently in Canada and he could maybe even have gotten away with that you know some people would be like okay well this just because he grew up in the suburbs doesn't mean his family has a lot of money but not only that but Drake is a child actor (laughs) that's his past on Degrassi High and so we know not only did he not like grow up on the mean streets of, you know, inner city Toronto, uh, you know, in areas that are most disenfranchised, but he was also like a child actor TV star, um, which is like a pretty cushy past or, and you know, that bottom is certainly not the level of bottom that uh, many other rappers and hip hop people who talk about, you know, the bottom like are referring to. So that's, you know, many people have responded like, is, did Drake really start from the bottom? Maybe it's, maybe what he's actually saying is that he started as a bottom, but now he's a top. (laughs) As a power bottom, right. (laughs) But he couldn't like say that. So he had to couch it in like more. I love that. I love that interpretation, that reading, that queer reading. Um, Yeah, maybe, maybe started as a bottom and now I'm a top. Yeah. That could but be. It's like a, yeah, it's like the hidden queer meeting behind yeah. the text. Uh, just, I'm going to take a pause. For people not familiar, bottom top politics or about the <laughs> references, um, especially in uh, gay men relationships, um, gay men are like tops or bottoms. It's something that gets talked about. I'm not a gay man, but like 
somebody who's a bottom. Everybody, but other, everybody can everybody can have that. Yes, like, I'm sorry. It's just it's it's prevalent. Very common in for gay males to identify as a top or a bottom. It is also common, maybe not quite as common, but also common for queer women to to identify as that, and also some straight yeah. people. But anyway, go ahead. Yes. Uh, no. So that's so that's it. So like. People will be like, I need to find a top. I need to find a top. And that's usually the person that's dominant. And then the bottom is like the more submissive person. So I just wanted to decode that language that we've been mm-hmm. throwing around for those who don't queer texts in that way. Um, yes. So, uh, yeah. yeah. Do you know about his uh, Jimmy dance that he would do on tour? No, I saw this in, in your in your notes, but no, I I don't know what that is. Okay, so Jimmy was the character he played on Degrassi, and he was in a yeah. wheelchair in the show because mm-hmm. he got shot during a school shooting in the show. Mm-hmm. Degrassi is a really good show, by the way. I would actually suggest watching it. It's like they yeah. talk about real issues. and Anyways, so he's in a wheelchair. So for a while, Drake had this Jimmy dance that he would do on stage, which is literally mimicking being in a wheelchair. Oh, dear. And no, yes, that is not okay. Wow, shame on you, Drake. Did he get publicly called out on that? Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, it was a long time ago. Um, I was also going to ask, do you like? I actually don't know. Does he have like a big Twitter presence or anything? Like, has he? My question is, has he like spoken out on like Black Lives Matter stuff? No. Interesting. He does. Yeah. No. Yeah, that's unfortunate. Yeah, well, he's got a Nike sponsorship to maintain, so. Right, right, right. Um, I will, I have nothing to say about that. Um, But I do want to (laughs) say, he also, like, along your your class thing, so yeah, he came Mm -hmm. from uh, wealth, but he still tries to create this aesthetic that he is from the streets, even though in these songs he'll say, like, you know, my roots are Degrassi, you know, or somehow he references. So he doesn't hide the fact that he was a child star. But then he's got this um, song called Worst Behavior, where he's just like, motherfucker never loved us. And then he just gets super angry about I'm not really sure what, you know, so he's really angry. Mm -hmm. But then the video is set in like, I can't remember what city, but let's just say Toronto, but in like the inner city of Toronto where things are a little bit more run down. But then he's mm-hmm. got the people coming out in their beautiful Sunday church outfits and the fancy cars. Mm-hmm. And so he's really pushing on this aesthetic of um, mm-hmm. of like being in the inner city and celebrating all the beauty that's there. But like that's mm-hmm. not where he's from, but he still tries to use that aesthetic yeah. for yeah cred you know right, and it was funny because right. i was thinking about that video and then i was watching the king kunta video by Ken- kendrick lamar's song and mm-hmm. it's like the same aesthetic it's like the same i'm not saying kendrick stole from drake at all but kendrick is in his actual neighborhood in compton hanging out mm-hmm. with everybody wearing their nice right. outfits and dancing and the cars and obviously that's an authentic well I don't know how you feel about Ken- we haven't really talked about Kendrick, but I he's a, an authentic person in terms of like his background. And so mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. video was like accurately re- reflecting where he's from, you know, mm-hmm. but Drake is trying to like get in on this lower class, you know, working class black aesthetic for mm-hmm. credibility sake and then simultaneously talking about how much money he has. Mm-hmm. So that's just complicated. I just want yeah, to acknowledge it that. is. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, I did read one article that was like, okay, so Drake didn't start from the bottom economically, but he kind of started from the bottom in terms of his ability to become a hip hop artist because he was like a child actor from a cushy background. Like, so like actually he was kind of set back in terms of being able to have like hip hop cred. Um, but I like Crimea River, like I'm not as like that doesn't like make me sad. (laughs) <laughs> meaning just, that like your streak like hip-hop cred is like actually coming from a background in which coming he struggled from, a little bit right or? exactly okay. exactly like that he doesn't you know the struggle is not real for drake um yeah. and so therefore it's harder for him to have cred but to have economic privilege versus cred seems like the win in that situation so i'm not too sad for him in that regard yeah fly me somewhere drake with all your money Right. Well, he never will because I'm white, so that's fine. That's okay. I'm I'm yeah. fine sitting with that 
um, uncomfortableness and not being, it's interesting to not yeah. be hailed too, as like the person that's usually yep. hailed by everything, um, right. media wise, you know, being called into it. It's like, mm-hmm. I, I like, it's an interesting feeling. It doesn't happen very much, but mm-hmm. anyways, um, I, so I just wanted to wrap up our, uh, conversation with the very real acknowledgement that like all the stuff that I gush about with him and all the reasons I love him is like clearly a strategy, you know, like mm-hmm. he, you know, cause I'm not the first feminist to go on and on and on about Drake. Um, like right. call your girlfriend is this other awesome feminist podcast and they gush about Drake too, you know? Mm-hmm. And like feminists really do love Drake for kind of a lot of the reasons that we discussed, but like Drake's not stupid. He knows that. You know, and so mm-hmm. he just has amazing crossover appeal, like that he can get the people that are super into rap and then like the suburban moms who think he's cute and like like his little <laughs> right. like love songs. And then people right. like me who find hip hop to be pretty problematic, but he makes it work, you know, in all these mm-hmm. ways. And then if he mm-hmm. slips up a few times, they're like, it's OK, it's it's Drake, you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So anyways, I just wanted to like be real with myself that it's all a capitalist to get me to buy drake posters and stuff so and i'm okay yeah i'm okay being tricked in that way i, I acknowledge it right and your awesome shirt mel has a great drake shirt oh, um which you're featured on on our on our website it's a picture of you with the drake oh, shirt it's I true it, i got yeah, it from it's a really good shirt um i will not say where i got it from because i'm kind of embarrassed but i will say i should have bought two yeah you yes. know <laughs> do you have any clothes where you're like yeah. i should have bought two yeah oh totally and totally. then now it's yep. i can't find it anymore so like yep it's true um yeah Cool. Well, um, I'm glad we got to spend so much time talking about um, somebody that you love so much and somebody that I like very much. And even though there are like a million more people in the world who like whose opinion on hip hop like matters more than ours, hopefully this um, hopefully this was just like, you know, interesting for me. It was it was fun as a fan and as a media critic to to have this conversation. So, yeah. And it's also a good primer for his album coming out this month. Cause then when it comes mm-hmm. out and I need to talk about it, I don't have to go into all the details as to why right. I love Drake listeners. Totally. Cause it will, I promise you it will be a check-in like melody listening to the new, new Drake album will definitely make <laughs> it to the podcast. Like you're going to hit, this is not the last time you're going to hear about Drake. Don't worry. Don't worry. Listeners. <laughs> no, it is just the um, beginning. Yeah. Um, okay. Cool. Are we done with, done for now with Drake? Done for now. What do okay. you, uh, so you're not going to, is your cat, what's up with your cat? Hello, oh, cat. yeah, sorry. Sorry, kitten. I know we're trying. I can't, I don't have a closet that I can sit in to lock him out. Um, he's what? sad because I had to give up his foster sister oh. and I don't even want to talk. I didn't even talk about it because I would just start crying. Okay. Let's not talk about really it. Does he want to say okay. anything? Is, is he trying to say anything? Does he need to add he's something to the discussion? Saying, well, first he's, he's, every time he meows, I'm convinced he's saying he misses his foster sister, but he's also saying that he's pretty into Drake too. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yes. Um, sorry. So you're not going to tell me what you're reading tonight, t- this week. You're p- going to do something. No. Else? No, I'm not going to tell you. I'm. I'm going to. Yeah, we're we're transitioning listeners to our segment on what we're and what we're listening to. Um, I am. I'm not. I I finished the Angela Davis book. I'm. You know, I still read my poem book every night. I'm. I've been reading academic stuff. Nothing really super important of note. But I did watch one of like. The most, I feel like it's like going to be one of the most important movies, like maybe ever of my life, just because I've never watched a movie that I felt so talk about like hailed and like, Mm -hmm. that's not a term we defined for the listeners last episode, um, called into like, there's, you know, when you're hailed into something, it's like the, the move, the meat, the piece of media is saying like, we we're we know you're going to identify with this because this is so much you like this is you and we're going to like call you into this and bring you into this and movies don't first of all movies mostly don't do that for women if there's a movie about a woman you know first of all that's rare second of all it's usually written by a man directed by a man um not necessarily going to feel like they totally understand women second of all um if it's a movie if it's something about a woman you know, there's all these different factors that you would have to check the box for me to feel sort of called into it. And what I have never seen until this movie is a movie about a young, like late 20s, early 30s woman who is a queer femme, queer femme woman. She identifies as bisexual in the movie, but 
I'm I'm just going to project queer onto it because she just was like queer femme all over the place. Um, and just navigating like relationships. And it was so very, and it's written, directed and starring the woman, one woman, this actual queer woman in real life. She's also Iranian. Um, so I, I was not interpolated and hailed in, in that way. Um, but it was so cool because she, it was so evidently written by a queer person because it was just like, so many elements of queer culture found its way in there. So many elements of just like being a young queer woman, like just, it was, it was, I've just, I was just like, holy shit. They're talking about like the disproportionate impact of prison on queer people. And I was like, you don't see that in like, like as an aside, it was like, that was a book club they went to and then like went someplace else. Right. Like it was just like an aside. It was like, of course you're going to go to like the prison queer prison book club. Um, like, you don't see that in movies, you know, and it was just really, it just really touched me. It really, it was, it was, it was, and it's not like a major drama. It's kind of like a dramedy. It's like a woman going through a breakup and thinking past back on her relationship with, with another woman. And, um, I just loved it. It's called appropriate behavior. I'm going to link to it. I hope a lot of people watch it. It's a little indie movie. Um, I saw it on Netflix. It's not on Netflix right now. So, um, where'd you see it? Um, I use my friend's HBO Go pass. Ooh, <laughs> so, okay. HBO. yeah. Um, so maybe I'll link it. I'll see if there's other places people can find it. Cause it was just great. So I went on forever about that, but it just like was awesome for me to, 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 to read that. So. Cool. Um, yeah, well, I'll talk about what I'm reading. I'm, uh, reading the, I'm trying to be reading this. Um, way to preempt my announcement. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, if you all can't tell, we're not in the same room, so it's really funny to like communicate in a professional way when we can't see each other. Anyways, um, the life changing magic of tidying up. Do you have this book? Well, I gifted it to my mom. Hi, mom. Oh, um... <laughs> mom, what up, mom? I... As as a former roommate of mine, I think you would know that I don't like need it that badly because that's usually my m- normal, you know, just way of being is mm. like. Did you read the book though? Like, Do you know, it's not about that though. I, that you have. Well, it's about getting rid of stuff, isn't it? It is. Do you get rid of stuff? I mean, I don't really know. I have your. I do. I do. I declutter a lot. Okay. I, mean, I have very very limited things and i know well go ahead you talk about it this is your thing you talk about it um no it's okay um uh yeah so it's just basically about the premise is that you only keep things in your house that spark joy and so Mm. she has you go through categories in your house so you don't do it by room you do like clothes and then books and then papers and um except you know kitchen utensils and you know every little thing you have to like look through everything and then throw stuff out and um it really works. So I've been doing it for a while, but I just reopened it so I could work on papers because I have so many papers from school. Like I kept yep. all of my notebooks and I'm really just going to have to throw them away. But it's a weird thing. It's like, this is all my knowledge, you know, but I'm yep. never going to look at, you know, when am I going to look at I those know. books? You know, even if I, I like end up teaching a feminist media studies course, the books that we read in 2009 um, some of them might still be relevant, but a lot of it's going to be outdated and the, totally. ca- the feminist canon will, I know what they, what those books are, you know? Um, mm-hmm. but then mm-hmm. at the same time, you know, like I have lecture notes from this like Somali culture class I took. I'm like, I don't want to throw mm-hmm. those away. Like I really do. My, I really might want to reread those, but she yeah. says that I won't, she says I won't want to re- reread them. That that's just like, yeah. Know. So that's going to be a struggle, heard- but yeah, I heard um, my friend Lacey, who I actually haven't mentioned yet on the podcast, but I'm obsessed with with her, and she has an amazing podcast called Rise and Resist. So I'll probably talk about her more often. But um, she I didn't know Lacey was on, the people. I didn't know Lacey did that podcast. I didn't connect yeah, those dots. Rise and Resist. Yep, yep, oh. yep. It's Lacey. Um, she's so cool. Well, hopefully, we'll invite her on someday too because she's great. But anyway, she had like a good response to it. She was talking about it on her podcast that it is, there's a little bit of like classism in, in it, like to like, and, and like, apparently she kind of writes in like, kind of like a harsh um, tone. And it's like, you have to get rid of this. And it's also like, well, like working class people sometimes need backups. Like maybe it doesn't bring you joy, but maybe you like 
know that if you break your mm-hmm. glass, you can't afford to buy a new one. So mm-hmm. you're going to keep another glass. Mm-hmm. And like, I appreciate that critique. And she doesn't, she talks about throwing your things away. Ugh. That's throwing them away. She's like, get garbage right. bags and throw them away. I'm like, no, no, donate, donate. No, yeah. I know. Like, really? So obviously I donated my stuff. Um, yeah. And there's a, there's actually a book. I got, I have a bunch of books. I actually have a bunch of school books I'm getting rid of. They were expensive, but like for me to like go online, actually, if you want them, I can, you can make some money if you want to try to sell them. But like, I, right. Yeah. I'm just not the type of person that's going to take the time to sell these books online. You know, yeah. and so yeah. Um, yeah. anyways, this black owned bookstore is doing a fundraiser and they want a bunch of books. Um, and so I have a lot of stuff from like things that I think that that bookstore would appreciate for their sale. So I'm going to give them yeah. some stuff. So anyways, it's making me feel good. Like I'm getting rid of stuff, but I'm giving it to Goodwill and I dropped off a bunch of food um, at the... Um, the trans youth outreach center they've kind of switched up in minneapolis um so yeah it's been good to like give away things uh that other people will need that i just i have too much stuff anyways that's so that's what i've been reading yeah um mel just so you know i'm not sure if this will happen for the audience but um you sound really fuzzy to me so i'm not sure if our listeners will hear that or not but just fyi you sound fuzzy i don't know the whole time i found it fuzzy just at the very end of you talking. Well, sometimes you sound fuzzy too, but I didn't say anything. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well. So there. <laughs> somebody's in Minnesota and somebody's on the East Coast. And <laughs> No, I just, I just sort of wanted to say it out loud because it was like really almost inaudible. And so if listeners hear that, I just wanted to acknowledge that that was. Yeah, that happened with you too, but I was kind of like, well. Okay. Maybe our our connection is We'll see how the, maybe this is, maybe this is all pointless chatter. Anyway. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, interesting that you're reading it and yeah. Um, we're really close to time. So I'm just going to say the song I'm listening to on repeat super fast. Um, it is a Drake song, but it is, um, it is him on, it is on, it is the, it's work, which we've talked about a lot, the song, but it's a remix and I'm using it in my sculpt class and it is a sweet remix and, um, it's really good. I would like that. And who remixed it? A uh, good question. I should give credit. I will tell you in one second. After I talk about the song I'm listening to on repeat, which is, um, can I, yep. Take it over. I'll take over while you do your research. Um, King Kunta by Kendrick Lamar. I got Mm -hmm. his album finally. (laughs) Like it was like he Mm -hmm. came out with so long ago. But anyways, I really like that Mm -hmm. song. Again, the song not about me at all. But I like um, I really like Kendrick for many reasons. But obviously he's speaking directly to his um, peers. And it's I learn a lot listening to that music. And so um, I definitely don't pretend to act like it's, it's for me or anything, but I do. It's, mm-hmm. it's good. I try to listen to people's perspectives in all ways. And in hip hop, it's been helpful for me to listen. And um, it, it's helpful in school yeah. too. You know, if people are like resistant to black totally. lives matter, I'm like, well, Kendrick Lamar said that blah, 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 blah. And they're like, Oh, right. you know, it's like, all right, fine. If you're going to believe Kendrick yeah. Lamar over me. That's cool. I'm, but I'm right, right, quote right, him. right. But it does help. It does help. Um, or like Frank yeah. Ocean was big for a while, and I would quote Frank Ocean, oh, and I'm like, God, I love him so much. And I want him <laughs> to put another album out. I just love him. Should be coming soon. Uh, Who did yeah, your remix? Yeah. Uh, re- it's Rehab, um, but it's spelled R three, the number three H A A B. Um, so I'll I'll link it. Rehab. Oh, one of my students, I know we're out of time, but one of my students did this awesome paper on, like, everybody makes fun of Rihanna for talking gibberish in that song, but it's her native language. Yeah, I was, I often wondered, like, just even the use of the term gibberish, I'm like, I'm not so sure that that's like, like, I don't think that that's the case. Um, Yeah, so, yeah. That's that, that's interesting and and actually doesn't surprise me. So right, and it's all, it's especially gross that people are like, you know, say that in response. Anyway, yeah, it was on an MP. There was an NPR story, and they were like kind of yeah. laughing. They're like, ha ha, why is this song number one? Ha 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 ha. It's like, all right, shut up, old yeah. ladies. Ugh. Let me tell you. Yeah, yeah. Right. give her respect. <laughs> Although her album is number one because she gave away copies. 
trivia oh, facts. Oh, okay. Just so you know. Okay. She got platinum because cool. she gave away All a right. million. Okay, I'm done. Sorry, I'm talking too much. Rachel's cutting me no, off. No, no worries. Uh, that's it. Thanks okay. for listening. Um, we'll hopefully see you on, engage with you on social media. We'll I'm be in next week. One, two, three. W T F Power. Power. Got really close that time. Get it close. Bye. And I feel it taking over. I better find your loving. Find your heart.